Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 25th episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Follow Your Gut, an interview with Julie Richard. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Julie Richard is a married mother from Southern Louisiana. She graduated from college with a degree in chemical engineering. For most of her career, she worked on elite teams for a prominent corporation in the petroleum and gas industry. Ms. Richard suffered from chronic Lyme symptoms for over a decade. She treated with over 30 doctors on what she called the doctor hamster wheel. Eventually, she received a Lyme disease diagnosis from a Lyme literate doctor. Since her diagnosis, she has made steady progress. Recently, Ms. Richard's personal battle inspired her to pursue a course of study in the field of nutrition and gut health. Her studies have resulted in her becoming a certified nutrition specialist. She has also formed a partnership with Amari Wellness. In that partnership, she is working to spread awareness about the importance of a healthy gut in the Lyme disease remission toolbox. Julie Richard, thank you for joining our podcast today. Thanks, guys. It is so great to be here with you today. So, Julie, can you share with our listeners a little bit about what your life was like before you began to show symptoms of a tick disease? Sure. Well, you know, I was pretty young, so I was um, in college, um, graduated top of my high school, um, started a college um, career. Uh, initially, I was headed towards medical school, and then I kind of changed a little bit of that and ended up in a chemical engineering program, fast track um, program through college. I graduated in four years um, and then started a career with a large uh, petroleum oil company. I was newly married, a brand new mom, just getting out of college. So my life was super full, um, very active, always on the go, did a lot of outdoor activities, dirt bike riding, um, trail riding, did a lot of water sports. Um, I live in southern Louisiana, like way down south of Louisiana. Um, so water sports, outdoor things are just kind of the way of life for us. Um, so that was kind of that was kind of my world um, early on. So I'm in my early 20s at that point. So Julie, what were your goals if you hadn't begun to show these symptoms of a tick disease? So you know, I'm a chemical engineer uh, by degree, and um, at that time in my life, you know, I had pretty big goals and aspirations. You're just getting out of college and you're starting with this um, very large company. And, you know, I had some goal sites that for, oh, you know, I'm going to be a refinery manager one day. I'm going to be up, you know, way up in the corporate world. Um, and so that was my kind of, that's where my, I had my goals set um, from a professional standpoint. And then, you know, um, from a personal goal um, aspect. I'm a new mom. And so you think, oh, you know, what does life look like? You know, I've got um, several children and um, just goals for them as they grow up. And, you know, you have a family and um, all of those, all of those fun things that you dream of, you know, as a young mom. Julie, can you talk more about your job at the time as a chemical engineer? Sure. So I went through quite a, quite a few number of jobs, but I took on large projects. I was um, kind of handpicked to be a part of an elite group that we were trained to find defects within our business, um, whether it was a process or um, actual like equipment processes. We were trained, um, highly trained, to find those defects, fix them, 
Um, and then that improved, you know, the way things worked. It improved profits. And just to give you an idea, our group, we were um, six sigma black belts. So I was a black belt um, in that defect elimination world. Um, and I performed very, very well um, at high levels. I was um, kind of a little bit like a fish out of water um, as a chemical engineer working as a female chemical engineer working in a very male-dominated um, workforce. A lot of times you, you have to maybe perform at a little bit higher standard when you're, when you're kind of dealing um, with that uh, group. Um, in a refinery down in Louisiana, the workforce, across everything is really predominantly male. So I was kind of kind of a minority there. Um, I worked a lot of hours um, each week, a lot of hours, um, like 50 to 60 hours. <laughs> um, and then, you know, managing being a mom and a wife and a fam- having a family to, to deal with. So that's what my world looks like. Julie, when did you first start feeling sick? Well... You know, hindsight is kind of always like twenty twenty, right? You don't really connect the dots until you're you're way past things. Um, but I started having like some really weird things just pop up. Probably in my early twenties. Um, I, I would say early to mid twenties that we didn't understand, and um, we just would kind of band aid them and then move on because they would go away. <laughs> what was the first symptom that you started to experience in your early twenties? Back then, I started having these really horrible pains in my hip joint. Um, And it wasn't like a muscle pain. It was like deep in my hip joint. And so I would always tell doctors, if you point your finger, you know, facing your hip, and then you point another finger on the side of your hip, where those two points would intersect, like internally, that's where the pain was. Um, And it would be in both of my hips, um, like, Sometimes daily, I would have heating pads at work. I would have heating pads at home um, that I would, like, sit on on both of my hips. And so you can imagine, you know, um, I look young and healthy, but I'm having these awful pains that I can hardly manage on a daily basis. Um, And so we started, you know, going to the doctors. um, And really, they were like, you're young, you're healthy. There's no reason you should be hurting. And so it was just kind of like almost throw their hands up in there. I'm like, I, I really don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> so Julie, how did it regress from there after that? So from that point, so I'm in like, you know, early to mid twenties. Um, and then as time went on, I would just, I would have these weird things pop up. So um, one thing I <clears throat> developed was costochondritis, which is an inflammation in the joints where your upper ribs attached to your breastbone. And I thought I was having a heart attack. The pain that you get mimics the pain of a heart attack. And so, yeah, you know, I'm like 25 years old. And I'm just like, how can I, I'm not having a heart attack. I don't think that I feel like I'm having a heart attack. It was really scary. And uh, when we figured out what that was, the doctors, again, couldn't give me really a reason why I was having this. All they could do was just give me some medication. And it was like an arthritis medication, really aimed at reducing the inflammation. And Julie, from there, you started to have symptoms that were on and off. Right, right. I would have just weird things pop up and they would, you know, last a few days and they would go away. And so 
you really just kind of dismiss them because you're, again, you know, I was young. I ate well. I exercised. Um, I looked like the picture of health. And so you just dismiss them away. You explain them away because they don't make sense. They don't make sense with anything. And over that, that 10 year period of having these symptoms come and go, what were your doctors saying? Were they just bouncing you from one doctor to another or were they trying to really help you and treat your problem and identify the root cause? Yeah, no, they, I really bounced around from doctor to doctor. And I probably saw it, you know, from when I first started having the hip issues, um, I probably saw like 30 doctors, maybe more. I mean, I just got to a point I stopped counting. Um, but let's see, the spring of 2006, things really got bad for me. Um, I started having some severe abdominal pain, especially when I ate, it would get worse. So I kind of just stopped eating um, because it would just hurt. I mean, I would literally be walk, walking like hunched over because I hurt so bad. Um, I got down to about 95 pounds, so I looked really, really um, sick. <laughs> I didn't think I did because you see yourself right daily, so you don't really notice those big changes. But other people were like asking my mom, "What is going on, Julie? She looks so sick." Um, so we initially got a cancer diagnosis, a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. Um, thankfully, um, when we got to um, Houston. Of course, we went to Houston. That was our first stop in figuring out what was going on. Um, I didn't have cancer, but what appeared on the imaging, uh, my pancreas was so inflamed that it looked like I had a mass on my pancreas. And so at that time, I'm 31 years old. I have a new daughter, a nine-year-old daughter. Um, I'm newly remarried, and we kind of had that bombshell hit. Um, so that ended up with a um, diagnosis of autoimmune pancreatitis. Again, doctors couldn't tell us why. Like I was seeing one of the top gastroenterologists in the United States, and all they could tell us was that you really don't fit into any profile that we have with pancreas problems. Um, you're just kind of like, we kind of have to put you in this trash can group of idiopathic causes. So in other words, like, we just don't know what caused it. It just happened. And Julie, throughout all this, you continued to work. You had a nine-year-old daughter. You were married. You kept living your life and pushing along, right? Yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, I worked five days a week, um, 50 to 60 hours a week. I continued to move up, you know, the corporate ladder. <laughs> um, so I'm still, you know, performing at high levels. Um, really just pushing through. And so over probably about 10 years, I had two more children. Um, I had two bonus children that we added to our family because um, I remarried. Lots of job changes. So now I've got five kids. I'm working a lot, a lot of hours. My husband is a shift worker, or he was at that time. So four to five days at a time, I'm a single mom because he's working either nights or days. Um, which consumes, you know, most of his time. So, yeah, I'm juggling a lot, a lot of balls in the air. Um, and that really, um, my health just began to deteriorate at that point. Not to get super graphic um, on your podcast, but my gut issues were like severe, severe gut issues. 
Um, and just to give you a, a little bit of insight into that, um, I knew the places that opened early on my path to work, my drive to work. So I would drive, bring my two youngest to a sitter. I knew every place on that path route that drive uh, to work, to the sitter and then to work. I knew the places that opened early that I could use their facilities. Um, that's how bad my butt was. Um, and so it was very common that I would, you know, have to make stops along the, along the 30 minute drive to work in the morning. I couldn't get to work without having to make some stops. Um, so that, that's what my life was like. <laughs> um, and then I would start running these chronic fevers and they normally would last like three to four days. So I would get a fever in the afternoon. Um, I felt like I had the flu. I would get home and literally just like not really able to function that well. Um, I would kind of sweat it out overnight and I would wake up feeling like, oh, I'm good. I'm normal. I feel good. And about one o'clock, you can almost set your watch to it. About one o'clock, I would start running fever again. Um, and after three or four days, it would just go away for no reason. I had no reason for the fever and then it would go away. So I'm still working. I'm working daily. I'm having fever. Um, and then those cycles started to increase quite a bit. And so we got to a point in, um, the spring of 2016, I started running fever constantly for like months at a time. And so we were like, okay, time out. Like, this is not, this cannot be normal. <laughs> right. Um, and so again, I'm still work. I'm working literally. I'm running fever for months and I'm still working trying to perform right in that male dominated workforce. Um, and really most days I was barely running at all, at all. <laughs> Julie, can you describe, give us an example of your brain fog and how that impacted you at work? Yes. Yeah, so of course I'll preface that with the fatigue that I had literally. I mean, it was pretty crippling for me, the fatigue. I was so tired all the time. And then I would have this, um, brain fog. So what that looks like for me on, now this is a really bad day. Um, I, sometimes I wasn't even sure, like I knew um, how to get someplace, but the actual, like the action of getting in the vehicle and direction wise, getting to a place was very, very difficult for me. In fact, I had several days where I would like, uh, if I was meeting my husband or he came to meet me for lunch, I'm like, you're going to have to drive. Like, I just don't have the mental capacity to get there, which, you know, I, I kind of prided myself like, Hey, I'm an engineer. I should know how to do all these things. Right. And so having that um, brain fog start impacting me from a mental perspective was, was really scary. Um, from, just personally, right. I can't, how can I function, right? I can't even drive myself to a restaurant. Um, but then in a professional standpoint, I dealt with upper management on a daily basis. I dealt with external government agencies frequently. And so um, struggling to find the right words to say, and I still deal with that even now um, to a point not nearly as bad as I did in the past. But, you know, I'm having to speak to people, speak to an audience, um, sometimes on a daily basis, and I can't get the right words to come out. 
you know them in your brain, but you can't get them out. You can't say them. You can't find them. Um, and so that really started to um, kind of impact my my performance at work. Julie, when did you finally receive your Lyme diagnosis? So I mentioned um, in the spring of 2016, you know, I had started that that month's worth of um, fever, having a constant fever. And so we started then, um, okay, let's start this, you know, like doc- Dr. Hamster Wheel cycle <laughs> again. Um, and I was very hesitant because I had been to so many doctors and they all just kind of were like, we don't know what's wrong with you. Um, and so... You know, I was just kind of passed around, passed around, passed around. And so um, I started with just a general practitioner. I went to her. Um, we were friends, acquaintances outside of um, her profession. And so I said, well, let me start there. We'll see. So she started running some tests. And um, at that point, I literally sat down and typed up like my entire history from the age of 22 or early 20s when I started having hip pain everything that I had had because I'm like okay it's too hard to explain and so I literally typed it out and it was like two pages worth of stuff um and I would just hand it to the doctor (laughs) so um at that point I kind of started thinking like okay maybe there's like a connection between all of these issues um and so we saw her she ran a bunch of tests and she was like hey, I'm just a general practitioner. I don't know a lot, but I think there's something going on with you. And so she referred me to a rheumatologist um, and they ran, oh my gosh, like vials and vials and vials of blood. Um, I don't even know what all they tested me for, tons and tons of stuff. And um, she actually ran the initial Lyme testing on me. Um, I had never heard of Lyme disease. I didn't really know anything about it. Um, And so that kind of started that journey. Um, And she, this was her word. She's like, there is definitely something wrong with you, but I have no idea what it is. And she wanted to treat me with low-dose chemotherapy drugs to really suppress my immune system. And I'm like, I just could, I didn't have peace about that because I'm like, chemo, a chemo drug? You don't even know what's wrong with me, but you want to treat me with a chemo drug. Um, Time out. Let's try and figure out what's going on before we get to that point. Um, So we kind of took a break from doctors at that point. We're talking like, that was probably August, probably August, September timeframe, um, took a break and we're just trying to figure out the pieces. Um, I stopped working like in June of 2016, um, at the advice of doctors because they're like, we've got to get you to a better state. You can't continue doing this to your body. Um, and so we, we started doing a bunch of researching and connecting with people, and I got connected with a doctor um, in Louisiana who treats Lyme disease, and so I said, well, let's, let's start there. We've got some testing, um, and that's really where the, um, the diagnosis, he confirmed that diagnosis, I believe it was like October time frame of 2016, and um, he did some additional blood tests. 
um, but the CDC recognizes, and um, he said, yeah, you've got the blood test confirms it, your symptoms confirm it, um, and so that's where the, that's when we, when we got that diagnosis. So, Julie, before you share with our listeners your healing plan that you uh, embarked upon after you finally got your Lyme diagnosis, can you share with our listeners whether or not you knew anything about ticks prior to your illness? So, the only thing I really knew about ticks were, you know, I live in Louisiana. We're outdoors a lot. Um, When I was uh, little growing up, you know, younger, we would be at my grandparents out in the woods. And the only thing, you know, we were worried about red bugs. People, if you're in the South, you know what a red bug is. <laughs> um, and kind of ticks. And so, you know, my mom would kind of look at us, make sure we didn't have any ticks on us. But the only ticks I really knew about was like a dog tick, right? Um, so we didn't really have dogs, but I knew about dog ticks. And that was, that was all I knew about it. So did you or your family uh, take any steps to protect yourself from coming in contact with ticks? I mean, no, honestly, we, you know, we would spray for mosquitoes because that's the big concern in Louisiana is just the mosquitoes are horrible because we have such rainy weather and it's hot. Um, And so we would spray for that. And um, sometimes, you know, or long sleeves, long pants. but really, we didn't um, because it was just nobody even heard of Lyme disease. That was, I mean, I didn't even hear that word until like 2016. So no, I mean, we, we didn't. Julie, do you think it's possible that you may have had more than one tick bite, meaning one during your childhood and perhaps coming in contact with ticks professionally when you were working as a chemical engineer? Um, of, of course, you know, that's possible, especially as a, um, you know, a kid. Um, we went to Colorado frequently. Um, my aunt and uncle lived there. And so as a teenager, we spent summers in Colorado. Um, lots of outdoor activities. And, and again, we didn't know there was any connection with ticks and diseases. And so um, we didn't, you know, prepare um, to protect ourselves from that Um, and I've had this discussion with with my line doctor now you know like I didn't I don't remember having this you know bullseye rash I don't remember any of that I don't remember having a tick on me Um, and that's what you know he said most people um, in his practice of seeing and he's seen hundreds and hundreds of Lyme patients he said most people don't they don't know when they were bitten they never had a rash, um, and so it's trying to, you know, put the put, put the pieces together of when. So, Julie, now you have this diagnosis of Lyme disease. You finally know what's causing your symptoms. What treatment plan did you follow at that point? So, uh, the doctor I was seeing in Louisiana, um, he started me kind of on that usual treatment with antibiotics. Um, he... Uh, kind of estimated the, the number of years he believed I had had chronic, really just based on my symptoms. Um, and so that equated to like several years of antibiotic treatment. And we're talking like not just amoxicillin type of antibiotic. We're talking about 
oxycycline, flagyl, cefcin, um, omnicef, all like lots of antibiotics. And we're not just talking about one. We're talking about sometimes up to five that we would stack. And so what that looks like is I would be in like a rotation. So I would take two for four days. And then over the weekend, I would stack in um, one to two more for several days and then I would go back to the two a day for four days. Um, so it was cyclic. It was multiple antibiotics, um, that we would rotate in and out of. Um, I did mention already that I had these other autoimmune issues, autoimmune pancreatitis. I developed ulcerative colitis. Um, so it was really, really tricky to try and manage those antibiotics. Um, with the other autoimmune issues that I already had that we were trying to manage and keep, you know, kind of keep those calm because <laughs> I didn't need anything else to have to deal with. Julie, although the CDC doesn't recommend using the CD57 blood test to see how you're progressing with your Lyme treatment, you had used it and it worked well as an indicator to, to see how much you're progressing and how fast you're progressing with your treatment. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Sure. So uh, when I initially started with my Lyme doctor, he ran a test, the CD57, not for, for a diagnosis basis. I want to make sure, you know, we're clear on that. He did not use that as a diagnosis, but he used it so that we could judge how um, my treatment was going, how I was improving um, with treatments, and then we could make um, shifts and changes. To that. So uh, CD57 measures these killer cells that are in your bloodstream. Um, and those killer cells are really targeted at like um, diseases that you get and um, issues that you're trying, your body is trying to fight off. And so a normal healthy person has a level of about 200. My initial test, I was 18, so I was very, very low. And you, when you look at the scale of a CD57 test, that, um, that low of a number is like in a chronic illness um, state. And so my doctor was really amazed that I was even functioning at any level. <laughs> he, his words were, you should be like in bed all the time, not able to function at any degree. Um, and so we, do, we repeat that test about every six months just to kind of see where I'm tracking. Um, and I'll be like, his target is to get me to a hundred, which is only half of what a normal healthy person, um, has. And we're, we're not there yet. Um, and so we've been, we've been on this journey for, you know, a couple of years now. So at what point did you, did you decide to move away from the antibiotics and look at you know, other ways to treat the symptoms and the Lyme disease? So I started, you know, I had some flare-ups with my pancreas, which I've already had a really major surgery on um, called a Whipple. Most people have that when they have pancreatic cancer. Um, and so I'm missing about 40% of my pancreas already. So I'm very, very protective of what's remaining um, for several reasons. One, I don't want to develop uh, diabetes, which is very common in um, pancreas patients. So I'm, I'm super protective of my pancreas. Um, 
And then I also have the ulcerative colitis, which um, again, I have to be really protective of that, um, of my gut and my, um, my colon. And so, you know, I'm taking all of these like pills. I'm really feeling pretty raunchy most of the time. And I, we just really struggle to wrap, wrap our heads around like all of these pills all the time. And so probably after about six months, we started looking into some alternative type treatments, um, more holistic um, in nature. How can I better support my body to help it heal? Um, and so we, you know, we've done quite a few different protocols. I've worked with holistic doctors um, across the country. Um, and so some of those things, you know, I did some high doses of vitamin C. Um, we've done different herbs aimed at really um, addressing and uh, getting rid of the biofilm on the parasite, which we know is really important. If we can kill the parasite, the parasite, we've got to get rid of that covering, that biofilm that they they use to protect themselves. That's why Lyme is so hard to treat because they're, they're pretty sneaky. They like to hide and they can change their shape, um, which makes it really, really hard to treat. So Julie, one treatment that you had got was the, the focus on your vagus nerve and your gut health. And that was a really interesting treatment. Do you mind sharing that with our listeners in some detail? Yeah. So about, well, let's see, I'm going to say January of last year. So January of 2018, um, I had had a horrible winter and I don't know if this is true for you, Matt, but winters are always really bad for me. Um, the Lyme parasites like the cold. And so they really thrive in cold temperatures and, um, winters are, are just, awful for me and we had had a really cold winter for Louisiana we had two snows that that season which is very uncommon for Louisiana and anyway I just I felt horrible and so um, in March I connected with a chiropractor that I had heard um, some good things about he was doing some alternative therapies um, to help people with lots and lots of different conditions and so I'm kind of like, well, it's, what's it going to hurt, right? Let me, let me go see him and see what he says. And so um, he was very, um, very out of the box. It was not something I had ever heard from a doctor or chiropractor that I had worked with in the past. And he said, your gut's broken. You have this crazy thing called a vagus nerve that connects your gut and your brain. And it's broken too. And so that's what we're going to work on. And so we started um, some pretty intense treatments and therapy three days a week. I did um, light therapy. I did sound therapy. I did um, some vibration therapy even. Made some really big diet shifts to get my gut um, healthier. And then the other therapies that we did were really focused on getting my vagus nerve toned. And so what that means is just getting it working at a, at a higher level. Julie, as a chemical engineer, did it make sense to you that the challenges that you were facing at that time were related to your vagus nerve and your gut health? Um, well, when he initially uh, 
kind of threw those words out at me. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, but of course I was super curious. So I started asking him a ton of questions. Um, I kind of geeked out a little bit on him <laughs> and um, started reading as much as I could about gut health and the connection with um, the vagus nerve, how it all works, and then how it can impact for good or for bad, your immune system. And so, um, yeah, I learned a ton about it and it made so much sense that it was kind of like, this is the missing link. Like this is what I've been looking for and researching and, and digging for, for like 12 years, basically. <laughs> so how have you changed since you discovered the vagus nerve and the treatment protocol that you're now using uh, to heal yourself? Um, so it's been about a year, a little over a year. Um, and wow, major, major shift in how I feel. Um, most, I would say for the, an average, I'm probably like 90% back to normal. Um, it's not perfect. I mean, I still have days where I don't feel good, but what I'm finding is that I rebound way, way quicker than I used to when I, when I was having a flare-up. Um, it's not as bad, so the severity is a lot less, um, and it doesn't last as long. So what used to, would, when I would have a flare-up, I mean, it would be weeks. Now it's like a couple of days, um, and I know the things that I can shift in my protocol to support me when I am having, you know, um, some bad days. And then I, I bounce back so much quicker. And so I'm back up and back, kind of back to normal in a couple of days, not weeks. Julie, are you still currently taking anything to treat the Lyme and the symptoms from the Lyme? Um, so right now we're doing um, only holistic type um, treatments um, to support my body. And the majority of those are gut health focused gut health and vagus nerve support. Um, and I will say like the changes I've seen, the physical changes have been huge, but my husband and my kids are like, wow, you're so much nicer to be around. You're such, um, you know, a happier, more joyful person to be around than you used to be. And we know, you know, like when you're dealing with autoimmune conditions, you can get pretty cranky and crabby with people because you just don't feel good. Right. Um, and so those have been like some of the great things that, that I'm seeing now. Like, it, you know, as a mom, you, you want to be a good mom to your kids and not, not so cranky to be around all the time. So that's been a fun change, a fun shift for me to have. So, Julie, uh, we understand that this whole Lyme experience that you've had have, has caused you to make a transformation. And one of the elements of your transformation is you've become a certified nutritional specialist. Can you share with our listeners how that uh, became a part of your journey? Yeah, so, um, you know, it was such a huge part in my healing when we started focusing in on gut health and um, the vagus nerve. And, and it actually connects your gut to your brain. And so I started digging into the nutrition um, aspect of healing and how can we heal from a nutrition standpoint. 
and that started my journey about a year ago into um, a certification as a nutritional specialist with a very specific focus on autoimmune um, conditions. So that covers a spectrum, um, any type of autoimmune condition, which includes Lyme disease, um, that we can help people heal, help their bodies heal from that nutrition aspect. And a large part of that is how do we heal the gut? And so we look at um, good support for gut health, um, inflammation, reducing um, foods and nutrition. And so it's been, a, it's been a great transition for me because I have such a long history um, of, you know, really a fight. <laughs> it was a war. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're still kind of warring with it, but, you know, I'm on the winning side now versus before I was, I was not winning at all. <laughs> it, it was in control and now I'm in control and I can help support my body to heal. Julie, you noted that a lot of the information out there is overwhelming and disjointed and very difficult to consume. So you took taking it upon yourself to go out there and actually talk with people across the United States and help them with their journey. Correct? Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, when I first started in the, the Lyme world, my gosh, when you go Google that, there's just so much um, information. I mean, even I, as an engineer, I'm used to dealing with a lot of, you know, information and deciphering what it means and, and what, how can we simplify it. And even for me, I was so overwhelmed with all of the information and so that's been a big focus for me is how can I like, how can we simplify that? And so make some simple changes that people can um, connect with um, in their journey to help them heal and move forward. Julie, I think one of the things that you said that was so powerful for us uh, offline was that it, on the, in, in regard to having to be able to connect to somebody on the same level, that you found it's almost impossible for others even close family members who don't have Lyme to understand what you're going through. And I think so many of our listeners can relate to that. And it's so important to be able to speak to somebody who can understand truly what they're going through. Yeah, that was so important to me. Um, you know, and even our doctors, right, that we see, because I grew up thinking like, oh, if I just go to the doctor, they can fix it, right? They can, they'll understand what I need or what I'm going through and they can fix it. And it, that wasn't happening. And then I've got my sweet husband, who has been just a pillar for me through all of this. He couldn't even understand. It. It's not his fault. But just when you've not gone through that process, and you've not dealt with like, the symptoms and the, the just how you feel health wise and emotionally and mentally and just all the, the aspects of health, um, if you've not gone through it, it's so hard for people to understand, like truly understand what you're going through. And so I encourage people like, um, you know, and when you're trying to get information, it's so overwhelming. And a lot of times you just feel paralyzed. And so you're just kind of stuck. You, you can't do anything because it's so much. And so I encourage people, like, find a community in your area, a Lyme community. Some places have them, some don't, like a support group. Um, if you can't find one, connect with me. I connect with people all over the United States. 
um, to help them, to give them um, nutritional support, um, things that they can do um, to help them find solutions, right? I help them connect their dots and then they can get started on that right path to healing. Julie, connect, connect with someone. <laughs> that's, my, that's my advice. Find somebody and connect with them. And, and, and you've actually created an Instagram that's, I think, beautifully done that helps people to connect with you and helps uh, people to connect with some of the partnerships that you've developed. Can you share with our li listeners what motivated you to start your Instagram and what partnerships you've started to try to help people to get an easy button to nutritional health? Yeah, so, you know, I started, as I started sharing some of my story really with people just on a one-to-one -one, um, connection, I knew that I needed to like start sharing that story more broadly. And so that's where, you know, I started being more active on social media. Um, and then through my, uh, through my work with my chiropractor, we just focused so much on my gut health and my vagus nerve. Um, when we started nearing the end of treatment, um, I knew I needed something to support me going forward because I did not want to go backwards, right? I wanted to stay where I was and then even continue to get better. And so um, I got connected with an amazing company to use science to develop some products that were very focused on gut health and looking at what we were missing in our gut very specifically um, and how do we get that reintroduced and thriving so that our guts are working really well and our vagus nerve is working on all 10 cylinders to help our bodies heal. Um, and so Amari is a brand new company that um, I partnered with really to help get their mission out, to get the message out that we have solutions for people. Um, and it's easy solutions that you can implement into your daily routine. And we're having, as a nutritionist helping people, um, we're having so much um, results, so many good results and great um, testimonies of people as they heal their gut, they're healing their physical health, they're healing their mental, um, their mental health as well. And so it's just been a beautiful journey over the last um, year. Julie? As discussed earlier before the podcast, we're going to have a separate podcast episode just to discuss this particular aspect of your healing so we can help so many of our listeners heal their gut and continue their healing journey. But thank you so much for yes. joining the podcast today. You have been such an inspiration. Oh, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. And I look forward to partnering with both of you and moving forward to help educate your listeners and give them great solutions to support their bodies. Simple solutions, radical results. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with Julie Richard. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Julie Richard, please visit her Instagram at Ms. Julie Richard, M S J U L I E R I C H A R D. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Boot Camp podcast interview with Julie Richard, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates from our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. This is a new effort on our part, and we can really use your help when it comes to creating a show that you would like to listen to. We make a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. 
Thank you for listening.